Good morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service. And this morning, I want to do a recap of a, a wonderful job that was done on Friday evening at uh, Fall River. They had their uh, VBS and a wonderful time. And if you missed it, you missed a good one. But tonight, or this morning, this morning of that night, I want to recap something that's very similar to us in baptism. This is Naaman being cleansed of his leprosy. Well, we're going we're gonna to dive in, and time willing, we're going to be able to see the relationships between that act and our act as well. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5 is, is where Naaman is, is recorded, and him, him being washed of his, of his flesh, and we're going to see a, a rebirth, if you will, and a little bit of an attitude adjustment too as well. So as we turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, I'll let everybody get there. 2 Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of, the master, of his master. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids, and they had brought back captive uh, a young girl from the land of Israel. She walked, uh, she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. All right, let's stop there in verse 3. So you see who Naaman is. He's a, he's a great man of valor. He's, he's held high above the master, and he's, 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 a, he's a good person. We see that reflection of Naaman's personality in the captive Israelite girl. We, we see that. Most time when someone is captive of someone and they become a slave of someone, they despise their master. Right? It's like, well, I wish death upon them. I wish a, a something would happen to them. I wish pain and suffering, that, that, type of, uh, that type of thought or that type of mindset for someone who has been a captive and become put in, uh, in, in service or as a slave. We don't see this as this Israelite young girl. She is taken care of by Naaman. Because how does she feel for Naaman? If only my master were with the prophet, he would heal him. So we see a little bit of a, uh, a personality of who Naaman is. We see he's a great commander, great valor, honorable man. So in verse 4, And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl, who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Before we get into the letter, I want to know something. So Naaman goes into his master, tells his master, tells the king that I'm going to go to Israel. What does the king do? 
Yes, by all means, go. Here, I'm going to help you along the way. What does he give him? He gives him uh, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing to take to the king of Israel. The, uh, the example was, and I'm going to use it as well, there's a movie reference on this, and the name of the movie is The Rundown, starring The Rock, and I can't remember all the rest of them. But uh, The Rock goes to the guy, this, he's, a, he's a, a villain, he's a bad guy, and he goes to him and he says, I'm going into your, your house or your camp or whatever, and I'm going to go get this guy because I'm looking for him. And he asks, why'd you come to me? Because I don't go to another man's refrigerator without asking. I don't enter into your house and take your things without asking. So he asks him, and, he, and of course he gives him permission, and the, and the story goes on. It's, it's another different. Not, that does not applicable to this. So Naaman goes to the king of Israel out of respect for the king. The king, the Naaman's master, that king, gives Naaman all these things to take to the king of Israel to help Naaman out. So what type of person was Naaman in the eyes of the king? The money value today would be about $1,400,000 of what he just took, gave Naaman to take to the king of Israel. How much did he care? How much did he think about Naaman, the king? A lot. He wanted him healed. He wanted him better. Then here's the letter in verse 6. Now be advised when this letter comes to you that, that I may have sent Naaman, my servant, to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. Now keep in mind, this is the king of Israel. He should know who God is. He should know his function. He should know his grace that comes through his children, being the king of Israel. But look at verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read this letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God? to kill and to make alive and that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy therefore please consider this and see how he seeks a quarrel with me the king sees it as a threat the king of Israel does Am I, do I have the power of God to who dies who lives to heal this man of his leprosy he sends him here to test me if I can't do it he's going to have a quarrel with me that's the way the king sees it. Keep in mind, this is the king of Israel. He should have seen the workings of God or the opportunity of the workings of God with Naaman. And in verse 8, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and he had sent the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elijah's house. All right, stop there. Verse 8, we see Elijah hearing about the king toward, renting his clothes. He tore his clothes. He says, what have you done this for? Send him to me. Send Naaman to me so that he can know that there is a prophet in Israel. And then Naaman leaves. Notice what he takes with him. His horses chariots. Do you think this was like uh, an old mule down the street and an old buggy? Most assuredly no. 
Keep in mind, the king just sent him with $1.4 million worth of things, today's value granted, with him to go. He had the best horses, the best chariot. So Elisha, Naaman comes to Elisha's door. But notice what happens in verse 10. Keep in mind, Elisha knows that the king has rent his clothing and he has told the king to send Naaman to his door and Elisha sends a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. What? Verse 10, this has an opportunity of a man of God coming to Naaman and healing him, right? That's what's in Naaman's eyes. Here I am at the door. I've traveled thus so far, and it's been a weary journey, and here I stand before them. And he ain't even going to come to the door. We're going to see that in the next few minutes. Now, in, in, in verse 11. But Elisha tells him what? To go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. To plunge yourself seven times in the Jordan. Now keep in mind, let's get a picture of the Jordan. It's a dirty river. A dirty river. It's like the Elk River on after the rain. It's muddy. Representation was, was given about in the old days. Remember taking a bath in a number nine wash tub? You remember that? Well, you better hope it was a small family because that wash tub got filled once. Mama and the baby got cleansed first and then the youngest, next oldest, Last person that was getting, last two was to get clean was the eldest son and the dad. Don't you know, looking at that water, the dad's going, well, it's my turn, right? Knowing all that water has got everybody's Jordan worthy of water in that number nine wash tub, right? Today you're like, man, but to get clean, hey, washing was difficult. It was. We made a comment on whenever the, it was raining. Of course, I got soaking wet yesterday of walking, it being Saturday, walking into the, the church field over there at Fall River. It is coming up below it. I walk, of course, my shoulder is soaking wet. My hair is dripping down. It's, it's all the way coming down to my waist, soaking wet, coming from the truck to the door. And no, I let Melissa out at the door. She didn't get so wet. So here I am, soaking wet. I walk in and I say, well, at least today is bath day. It being Saturday, right? A little joke in this. But keep in mind, washing back in the older days, even their time, was a little more difficult than you and I walking to the shower, turning the shower head on and taking a shower or taking a bath. We can get clean whenever we want to, as long as you pay your water bill, right? So we see Naaman becoming furious in verse 11 because Elisha just doesn't, doesn't give him something big to do. All right, that's what he says. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and call, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He was aggravated. This man of God don't even have time to come out unto me and wave his hands over, call upon his God and make this big thing happen. That's in his mind what he wanted to happen. Have you ever been disappointed? 
You ever been, been disappointed in your life? Well, I have. I'm going to say, yeah, I see a couple of yeses. You ever been disappointed? Most assuredly we have been. Naaman was disappointed. He wanted this big thing to happen. He had made such a long journey. And in verse 12, it continues. Are not the Arabana and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He was angry. Those waters were closer. Why couldn't I just wash in them and be clean? Oh, no, it wasn't instructions from God, now was it? And in verse 13, thankfully he didn't go by himself. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So they rebuked him. They counseled him just a little bit. And they tell him, If he'd have told you to go climb the mountain, if he'd have told you to, to, to go into outer space, if it were possible then, would you not have done it to be clean? In the back of Naaman's mind, he says, well, I did make this long journey. The simple thing he's telling you to do is just go wash in this water seven times and you'll be clean. W wouldn't you do it? So he went down, being Naaman, and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Back up in the, verse part, the first part of verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan. All right, imagine this, right? This being the servants of Naaman. He's the commander of the armies, right? He is a great man of power. And no servants standing on that bank. One, two, Naaman, three, four, being plunged in, five, Six, leprosy still there. Don't you know them servants? Oh, please let the seventh time he get me clean. Please let him be clean the seventh time. Seventh time in, plunged up. How was his skin? Brand new. Brand new. Like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides and came and stood before him and he said indeed now I know that there is, a God, there is no God in all the earth except in Israel now therefore please take a gift from your servant but he said as the Lord lives before whom I stand I will receive nothing and he urged him to take it but he refused so Naaman said then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer either offer burnt offerings for sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Notice what just happened. Naaman went away, went away in a rage. He was mad. He was angry because of not this big great thing Elisha was going to do. He says, no, go dip seven times in the Jordan. The simple thing to do, right? Just go get wet seven times. Plunge, wash. Again, a difficult task because how many times do we see in the uh, apostles' teachings when they was teaching about baptism? As soon as they came near water, look, water, what hinders me from being baptized? Look, what stops me? Let's go do it. There's water. 
And we see Naaman seven times in the instructions of the man of God, the prophet. And that seventh time he plunged. Why? Because he did what he was told to do. Now, let's advance a few thousand years on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Turn there with me. And I did not stick a bookmark in Acts. Acts chapter 2. This is right after Peter's sermon to the Israelites. Those who had crucified Christ by the Holy's hands, which he had told them, and they was cut to the heart. They said something significant in verse, he says something significant in verse 36. Previous to this, in verse 23 of the lawless hands, him being Christ, being delivered by the determined purpose of foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. That's verse 23 and then verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The ones hearing that first gospel sermon was cut to the heart. They was pricked. They realized what they had done. What they had done was displeasing in the eyes of God. What a wonderful sermon Peter gave. He tells them this. We see Elijah telling Naaman seven times, go wash in the Jordan. He does it. He arises clean. As a clean of a, as, as clean as a child, or new as a child rather. Verse thirty-seven, the Israelites when they heard that cedar that sermon from Peter. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's like Naaman leaving the king to go get instructions. What shall we do? What Naaman What shall I do? Elias tells him to go seven times dip in the Jordan wash. Peter says something almost similar. Almost similar. He says it in verse 38. As they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who were afar off, as many as the Lord God, the Lord our God will call. Did you hear what was said? Did you hear what was said? God is making that call this morning. Naaman was tired of his leprosy, right? He, he wanted to be washed. He got news from that little servant girl who was who was tending to his wife, says, all he's got to do is be with the prophet, and the prophet will heal him. So that's enough news, and that's enough motivation to make that long journey. And all he had to do was go wash seven times? That's too simple. Why don't you do this big miraculous thing, Elias? Why don't you do this one thing, Elijah? Right? No, just go dip seven times. That's all you got to do, because... The man of God told you to do it. In a matter of speaking through that mouth of that person, God told you to do it. God tells us to do something, does he not? He tells us to be immersed. 
baptizo, baptizo. That's the Greek word, which didn't exist until like 200 years ago, or no, excuse me, something like that. I can't remember the number now. It was created. Baptizo was created. Why? Because it means immersion. And the folks translating the Bible wanted to get it right, so they created this word to mean something that's against their faith. What? Yes, that's exactly the reason why we have baptism, which means immersion, which means to plunge, not to sprinkle, not to splash, not to even exist at all, as unfortunately is believed today. As folks believe they can be saved and not be immersed or baptized, washing their sins away for the remission of sins, not to join a church for the remission of sins. Because we learn in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, God's hand is not shortened, nor his ears heavy that it cannot save nor hear. God wants to save people. He sent his son into this earth, did he not? For you and I to be saved on judgment day. Those out there in the world today spitting in his face to be saved on judgment day if they respond to the gospel. This gospel call that Peter just said, hey, the gospel's going to call those in the future. This promise that I'm telling you at that day of Pentecost is available to the Gentiles. That's you and I. God gives us a command after that too, does he not? He tells us to remain faithful. Naaman tried to give that gift to Elijah, did he not? He said, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to receive nothing. My gift is from God, and he will provide. Which is another lesson in and of itself. But we see Naaman being commanded to dip seven times in the Jordan. That nasty, dirty water can save me? Well, it's not the condition of the water. It's the condition of the heart going into the water. So my encouragement this morning, if you have yet to be immersed for the remission of sins, that is to be baptized, washing your sins away. In the eyes of God, you can come up looking just like Naaman did. Brand new. But there are some in the audience this morning who have yet to do so. That is, well, excuse me, have done so, but yet walked... A short little walk with Satan. When we sin, when we fall short, Isaiah 59.1 says, God wants to save us. But oh, there's verse 2. But your sins and your iniquities have separated you from your God. That his eyes nor his ears cannot see nor hear. You have separated yourself from God with your sins. You look like Naaman before immersing seven times in that Jordan. In that Jordan River. So we look, look within ourselves tonight. Tonight. I want to hurry the day up a lot right. It's still morning, Jeremy. This morning, how do you look in the eyes of God? Do you look like Naaman before or after that seventh plunge? Do you look like him before? Even after baptism? Taking that short walk with Satan, that's very scary. That greater condemnation than the absence of the sacrifice for sins exists, and you are considered an enemy of God. Don't be wrathful toward God. Abide in His love. Follow His commandments. Be faithful. Stand in the Word. 
Because on Judgment Day, well done, good and faithful servant is so much better to hear than depart from me, you worker of iniquity. So much better. Do you need to change from leprosy to heal this morning? If you're hearing this message and didn't be immersed, find somebody to assist you. By faithful observance of the gospel, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, he died for your sins. Ceasing from sin, ceasing from the ways of the world, ready to start your spiritual walk and being immersed for the remission of your sins. Please do so. Don't wait any longer. And there may be some of the audience this morning has sinned, fallen short, and yet to repent of their sins. We offer that opportunity to get right in the eyes of God. We offer an opportunity to be restored, to be fulfilled, and be renewed. Do we need to make that happen this morning? Do you need prayers of the church? Do you need encouragement? Why don't we do so as we come forward, as we stand, as we sing a song of invitation?